Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tempe, Arizona. What a game. Arizona State a winner, 76-74 over SMU. Jose Perez, 20 points, 4 rebounds. The team trailed by 13, 63-50, with less than 11 and a half minutes to go in the game. Head coach, Bobby Hurley. It looked good, I think, when they got it to 13, but we just kept fighting and uh, were able to, to regain momentum in the game, you know, with our pressure. That pressure, two things to talk about. From the defense and from the crowd, they ramped it up. SMU couldn't handle it. They come all the way back. Now, on the road, taking on the University of San Diego, coached by the Dean of the Sweet 16. That is Steve Lavin. That game is Saturday night. Lots of Diamondbacks news. Number one, signed Eduardo Rodriguez from the Tigers. Four years, $20 million a year. Very good pitcher when healthy. That's the catch, so there is some risk. Why do I love him? Because he was traded to the Dodgers in the uh, during the year last year, and he blocked it with his no-trade clause. <laughs> Take that, Dodgers. Now we get him. Now the bad news, Rule 5 draft. Cleveland Guardians took a look at the Diamondbacks roster and said, we'll take you. Now, power-hitting infielder Davison De Los Santos is a member of the Guardians. Baseball news. In general, not just Diamondbacks, Juan Soto is no longer a Diamondbacks opponent in the division. They'll only play him three times a year now. He got traded along with Trent Grisham from the Padres across the country. Now he's a member of the Yankees. Padres get five players back. Wow, what else do you want from the Coyotes? Five-game winning streak. Last home game tonight of a long homestand. They're going to have an East Coast trip that they leave for tomorrow. They got three games and four nights that start in Boston on Saturday. So it's going to be nice to try to get a win tonight. They're home against Philadelphia in Tempe at Mullet. Face-off at 7 o'clock. you got to go. You got to know this news from the NBA. Utah lost to Dallas. It was close. By 50. Ha! 147 to 97. Luka Doncic had a triple-double. By halftime, he didn't even play in the fourth quarter. Finished the game with 40 points, 10 boards, and 11 assists. Now also tonight, no other games other than two. Tonight's the semifinals of the in-season tournament in Las Vegas. Pacers take on Milwaukee. Following that, Pelicans-Lakers. Losers get a loss in their regular season standings and go home. Winners get $200,000 and the opportunity to play for another $500,000 if they beat each other in a game that does not count in the regular season standings, but it is in the in-season tournament final. That's your NBA news right there. Let's go to NFL news. Connor Hughes versus Jamal Adams. 
Connor Hughes is a writer in New York who tweeted out a video of Jamal Adams getting beat deep with the word yikes. So Jamal Adams thought this was smart. He tweeted out a video with the word yikes as well. And it was a picture of the writer's wife, who, by the way, is attractive if you care about my opinion. And Mariah Goodwin, wife of the Tampa Bay wide receiver Chris Bowles, sent out a tweet said, quit ripping my husband, coach. And finally, Australia is sending a rover to the moon. And what do you think they're going to call it? Well, there's been some names that didn't make the cut. Matilda Bluey Skippy, Wombat, Walkabout, Mateship is not the name of it, and neither is Rover McRoverface. The citizens decided the new Moon Rover, sponsored by the country of Australia, will be named the Moon Rover, as in kangaroo. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, You can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bill's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. You know, when I got up this morning, I said to myself, there's no way this is happening. There's no way. But there's something about a Beer Friday tomorrow that just kind of drives you forward. And as your Commander-in-Chief, I am here. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merc. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Here's a a strange question. Why is it my timing is 400 times better on the open when I'm not jumping up and down and going crazy versus what you just heard when I'm kind of, you know, calm? And if I'm going crazy, I, I rarely hit it as perfectly as I just did. I don't know why. Technically, that's how it's supposed to go. I'm supposed to get the word this into 
the music. This is Doug Franz. You know, and I, I do it well when I'm not jumping up and down and going nuts. Which is then going to be a text from my father that says something like, you know, I like your show when you're a lot calmer. I don't. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an energy dude. But I have been fighting the group or the, uh, the coop or whatever you want to, I don't know what you want to call this. I've been fighting something all week. Didn't feel good. Uh, didn't feel great on Sunday. Then uh, Monday, I could tell it's not going to be good. And then normally, it's done. Whatever I get, whatever I have, it's done in a day. I can fight it off in a day. And boy, it got really bad yesterday. And I'm thinking, okay, there's, this isn't happening. But I still kept working. Thanks a lot to the Pac-12 for giving me a uh, – or Fox Sports, I should say – for giving me an 8 o'clock game last night for ASU. It would have really been nice to get extra sleep and not be up watching the game. But I powered through. And then I got up this morning, and you're going to have to watch me drink a lot of water today. Which means, I don't know if you have a graphic ready, Jeff Weir Production, but we need a graphic up that says, Doug is peeing, or something like that. Because I'm going to be going, I'm going to be drinking so much water to keep my throat going, that then I'm going to be going to the bathroom in the middle of the show. I okay, think so. Well, I'm all over that. I can come up with a wonderful graphic. Okay, that. there you go. So it might, it might have to play coming out of a commercial. Doug's not here right now. He's in the bathroom. <laughs> He'll come back, we think. Something like that. But I am, so I got up this morning, and I I seriously, I I stared at the shower for a while. It was about, I first got up at 3.15 and just said, no chance, no chance. And then I reset the alarm for 4 o'clock and uh, got up at 4 and then uh, walked into the bathroom and really just kind of stood there. Like, am I really doing this? And I thought of you as a member of the Unplugged Army, that you've got to power through for your family. And I'm hoping that I provide entertainment for you as you get ready or throughout your day to get you through the day. And I I think of you construction dudes that might be listening on the job or those of you that are delivery guys that spending an hour and a half or so with me kind of makes the day go by a lot faster. And I was thinking of you and I thought, you know what? I got to suck it up. I got to power through. And felt like this was the dumbest decision I've ever made. At, well, I've made a lot of other dumber decisions than this. <laughs> um, then I, when I was driving in, it got bad, and I thought, this is horrible. But then as I sat here and started getting ready for the show, I sound terrible, but I'm actually starting to feel a little better. So hopefully everything's good. Um, I am going to do something. That I, I'm so sorry to Lieutenant Colonel Josh. No, you're not a general. But Lieutenant Colonel Josh and I are scheduled to play golf in a skins game coming up tomorrow, and I am going to be sending out a text after the show saying no chance. Um, I'm getting I'm getting rest uh, as soon as tomorrow's show is over. I'm going home and I'm getting rest. Now I, an announcement to General Mike, who is somewhat planning on coming in tomorrow to run the keg again. It's Beer Friday, presented by our friends at 100 Mile Brewing Company, Rural Road, Scottsdale Road, 202 in Tempe. It's just like this far. You can see the wall. That kind of, sounds like a funny joke now, the wall. But you can see the wall and know it's not at, at the bottom of the state. You can see the 202. So it is this far south of the 202. And basically the best way to remember how to get there is just – Turn into the Makayos parking lot and keep going. Just don't go to Makayos because they're not a sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. I, I shouldn't say this. I, I went there two or three times my first maybe two or three years here. 
gosh, I shouldn't say this, but it just didn't blow me away. And then we found a place in Litchfield Park called Old Pueblo, which is one of my favorite Mexican restaurants in the country. I, I love Old Pueblo. So I don't know what your favorite Mexican restaurant is. I'd like to know that. And by the way, uh, Mancayo's never sponsoring Doug Franz Unplugged again, but maybe they've changed a lot and it's delicious now. It's been seriously like 12 or 14 years since I've been there, something like that. Well, anyway, uh, I don't know why I got off on the... See, when I'm sick, who knows where things go? But I, uh, I got to make that uh, text to Lieutenant Colonel Josh and say, I'm not in for tomorrow. And the reason why is I want to make sure that I'm not getting you sick at the second annual Unplugged Army holiday event, which is coming up on Saturday. So now I feel I was actually worried I was going to have to do something drastic like postpone it. I did not want to do that, but I didn't want to get you sick. But I feel so much better that I can tell right now I'm ramping back up. So General Mike, for tomorrow's Beer Friday presented by 100 Mile Brewing Company, I'm going to leave that up to you. Do I want you to come in? Yes, because... I don't see how Izzy, Jeff, and I can handle doing Unplugged and running the keg. I, that just, I don't think that's a good idea. So, yes, we want you to come in. If I still look ridiculous and feel terrible, then we'll just make sure that you are somewhere else. Put the beer down. I'll get up and get it and, and bring it back. But, of course, the alcohol is needed to, to help defeat whatever I've got because I've been funneling it with a lot of orange juice. But I haven't, I haven't had a beer all week. Mike's good company, too. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. Um, I don't remember the last time I went a week without a beer, but I, I, don't, I don't think I've had a beer since Saturday. Wow. No wonder I'm sick. That's what it is. So this is the official. These are the official sick clothes, if you didn't know. In the Franz household, when, uh, when Daddy puts this on, every, and I, I don't do it for sympathy for everybody to know, but somehow... I can't explain it. I get really cold when I know that I'm sick. And I was freezing this morning. So it, do you mind? Uh, uh, this is kind of a curveball for you, Jeff Weir Production. Okay. Will you find the Ohio Bobcat logo that you have and put it up for me? Yeah, give so me just a second. When I, went to, when I went to college, this was the logo. So it was the paw print. Uh, I did it again. It's right there. So that was the paw print. God bless me. Bless you. Thank you. And then... The paw print, we oh look at that. There's Rufus, and I pointed correctly. The paw and go ahead and leave it up there for a second. The paw print, we say was ours before Clemson. Truthfully, I have zero idea whether that's true, but I believe it because our football team stinks for years and years. So therefore, if your football team's better, you get to act like that's your logo. But I, we had the paw print first, and then we had an athletic director named Tom Bay who said, we need something tougher, and he created, created what's called Attack Cat. And that's the Attack Cat, if you're wondering. So his name is Rufus. Now, the mascot's name has been Rufus forever, but Attack Cat is the specific logo. And all of us that are old school, which, there you go. The, all of us that are old school are paw print people. We want paw print. This sweatshirt was actually born before Jeff Weir Production and Izzy. So this, I, I probably bought this in about 91 or 92, something like that. And I think, well, Jeff, we production, am I right? This sweatshirt is older than you? No, I was born in 84. Oh my gosh, you're old. Boy, you look young. Good job <laughs> pulling that off. Thank you, sir. Man, am I jealous. So, because uh, I, 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 I look probably seven years older than I really am. 
Um, but this sweatshirt is that old. And so this comes on and it's like, hey, this is the only thing. It's it's ratty. It's old, but it's going to keep me warm and I'm wearing it. And now I'm starting to warm up. I, I Getting in this studio, I don't know how Izzy does it. If you don't know this, Izzy does iOS, Izzy on sports from 10 to noon every weekday here on WTSMTV.com. And underneath the camera, what you don't see is like a blanket, an afghan, uh, and some kind of ankle warmers uh, from the 80s, Jane Fonda type of ankle warmers. And then he's got a little parka that hangs below his seat. So then as soon as the commercial break happens, he puts this parka on. And then he sits like this the whole time getting ready. And then he takes the park off. It's crazy. Like, I've always thought, Izzy, this is a sign. Mix in a steak. You know, you need some iron. He really he, likes GM mode, too, because he gets to put his sports yes, coat on. Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, he he needs to eat, get some more meat in the diet and, and be able to hold on to some weight, and, and, and that'll keep you warm. I, I, I'd be glad to share some of this weight with you, Izzy. I'm a caring guy. So uh, this sweatshirt is now, because it's so warm in here, I'm starting to feel like, hey, I might make it. I don't know about the voice, but I'm feeling better. So, therefore, the second annual Unplugged Army holiday event, definitely on. I'll see you at Bells. I'll be there from 4 o'clock till 10 o'clock. And I'm, I'm jacked up for it. Today's show, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. we got two guests. I really like talking to Brad Smith. I mean, I think he's a really good fantasy football guy. I'm glad I found him. Uh, I, I say I found him like he was lost or something. But Rich just sent me an email one day. It says, hey, I run a company called Murray Electric. I've been a fan of the old show. I'm a fan of Unplugged. And I'd like to talk to you about being an advertiser. And, uh, and I said, well, what do you do you know, other than running your electric? Oh, I do a podcast. And we talk fantasy football. And it's a lot of fun. I said, why don't you just turn it into a TV show? What? Okay. So uh, that's how I got to know Brad is through Rich. And I think those guys do a good job and they're a lot of fun. And so Brad comes on to help us out with our fantasy issues and anything that we've got going on. Uh, I am in fourth place in my fantasy league getting ready for the playoffs potentially. So I, I need to close strong. So he has helped me. I can't wait to see what he can do for me. And, uh, and I, hopefully I ask the right questions for you. So I have no problem if you want to start contacting me and saying, this is not Town Hall Tuesday, this is for Brad Smith. And I ask Brad your questions, and, and then Brad keeps those questions because your question might be so good, it helps other people, and they answer them on the Organic Football Show, which is every Tuesday afternoon here on WTSMTV.com. It's officially at uh, noon, correct, Jeff Weir Production? Um, I think it starts 11. Are you talking about the parade? No, 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 no. Sorry. Uh, organic football show. Oh, noon, yes. Yes, okay. So that's Tuesdays at noon, and then it's uh, Sunday mornings at 10. So you can get all of the latest information this Sunday from them, and we're going to talk to him. And then after him... I'm sorry. Correction. We have... Hanging with Coop Hanging with at Coop noon. Is at noon. And then 1 o'clock. That's right. That's right. Ordained. They're at 1. Thank you for the correction. Um, that's why I'm the director of sports programming, if you're wondering. <laughs> don't you think I would know? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, then there is, after that, we're going to have Rudy Carpenter on the show. Rudy Carpenter, you know, good ASU quarterback, kind of a nut job, full disclosure. Rudy's kind of nuts, but a 
maybe five-year, six-year NFL quarterback. And I have always appreciated Rudy. Nobody's more uh, honest and, and has you know a lot, a lot of candor in what he says. But also, he's heavily involved kind of behind the scenes. Nobody realizes how many areas Rudy Carpenter touches in the community. And he's been a great person for me to rely on. I don't want to call him a source because – He's not somebody I, I contact to verify something, but I'll contact him to say, hey, what are you hearing? And then I call other people to see what, uh, whether, you know, what's going on. And he just helps me understand. He is so tied into a lot of different groups. And he's so knowledgeable about football in which uh, he would come into the studio sometimes filling in for Wolf on the old show. And he would bring his laptop and he would show me plays from around the league and around college of things to look for with with college quarterbacks, things to look for with pro quarterbacks. He's taught me so much about football, so I hope to bring him on and have him teach you. There's one catch for those of you that are watching on WTSMTV.com. It'll be an audio-only interview, so I apologize for that, but Rudy is also a super dad, so he's got a lot going on in the morning, and he's got his new company that he's running that he'll talk about, so with that going on, it's easier for him to do it on the phone. So I just wanted to let you know. All right, sound credits today. Uh, I think everything we got from Sun Devil Source, right? Do we have anything else? Uh, that's it for this morning. Yeah, we got. I, I'm excited to talk ASU hoop because a lot of good things happen. All right, let's roll. Doug's big one. It's funny. Earlier this week, uh, Town Hall Tuesday, I was asked, you know, you, you should talk politics more on unplugged and i said no i'm not going to and then today what am i going to talk about i'm I'm going to talk politics but for me it's not political and there was a shooting yesterday at unlv and three people are dead a 67 year old man decided he was upset because unlv for some strange reason said you're not uh, going to be a professor here Somehow, I think UNLV must have done something right, not choosing that man as a professor. So in order to get back at UNLV, he went on a shooting rampage. I don't know if I should phrase it this way, but I feel lucky that he only killed three people. And yet I'm sure that the families of those three people don't look at that as an only or lucky. And then he injured one who's in stable condition. Police responded so quickly he wasn't able to kill anybody else. And that man, the shooter, is now dead. Um, the reason why I don't talk politics and the reason why I've always told you, you'll never, ever, ever guess my politics is because the politics that I choose, that I have my feelings are basically ones that would alienate all of you. And I'm about to share one area of my political feelings with you that you can see why I don't share it very often. I am incredibly pro Second Amendment. And I hate guns. I hate guns. And yes, I said both. And for other people, that kind of conflict makes me a hypocrite or makes me two-faced or makes me a flip-flopper. And for me, I totally understand it. I don't want to infringe on somebody else's right to bear arms. And if you know your history around the planet, it's much easier to take over a society once you take away their weapons. At the same time, I don't see how anybody can look in the mirror and say our system that we have right now is working. Now, when I say I hate guns, this is going to really confuse you for a second. 
I don't want guns in my house. And legally, I am a gun owner. <laughs> I, I, I know exactly what that sounds like. My father-in-law is a Vietnam War veteran and a member uh, retired from the Ohio National Guard. Has lots of guns. And that side, Jennifer's side of the family, grew up with guns all over the place. And Jennifer, technically I, but Jennifer owns a handgun. And I don't even know where it is. I don't want to, I, I don't want to have anything to do with it because I personally hate guns. Yet, I am a gun owner. And for a lot of you, you listen to that and you can immediately say you are some kind of crazy hypocrite. But I bring this up today to just simply say that hit home for me just because my kids in college, just like Sandy Hook hit home, just like every event that's ever happened. But I want to appeal to both sides of the issue to have a conversation, have a conversation without the yelling and the vitriol and actually come together and listen to the other side for once, not be so protective of your side. And let me set this up for a second so I can kind of talk to each side in a way that I admit is going to terribly alienate you. And God forbid I lose you as a listener because I need you. I, I don't want to sugarcoat it. I need you. But I hope I'm appealing to your logic side and not your angry side for wherever you are on this issue. If you are more of somebody that leans to the left, that you would love to see our country wipe out guns altogether, that you, that you hate guns like crazy and you don't think regular citizens should have guns, okay? If that's if, wherever you fall in that spectrum. Can you understand the other side for just a second? It is a constitutional amendment. It's a constitutional amendment. It is the second amendment. It was that important when the Constitution was signed. And don't try to go back and say well, that was in the 1700s. It doesn't matter because of it. Listen, what about Alaska? What, any, any decision you make affects the entire country. Okay? And there are so many legitimate reasons to have guns and i do believe in the phrase that you've heard millions of times that guns don't kill people people kill people and there's plenty of people that are such bad guys they'd go running around with some kind of sword machete they'd find bad guys find a way to do bad things that does happen but the track history of the relationship with those of you on the left can you understand why it's hard for people on the right to to even have a meaningful conversation about this because you're not trusted I'm not trying to be a jerk to you, but let me give you an example that might offend you, but I just want you to understand the way the other side thinks. Do you realize the income taxes were created to pay for other wars? Do you realize that then it's, let's add on to it, okay? First, there's the income tax. Then there's the, I, I don't have the order right, but then there's a sales tax. Then there's a uh, death tax then on top of that there is a property tax then on top of that there's a social security tax then on top of the do you see where i'm going every time it becomes this isn't working 
so therefore we need to take more money from you. We need to create a new tax. So if it's always this didn't work, let's do let's do more, let's do more, let's do more. Can you understand why somebody that is on the right doesn't even want to talk to you about their guns because they can't trust whether or not you're going to say, well, that didn't work. I'm going to take this one. That didn't work. I'm going to take this one. That didn't work. I'm going to take this one. You've got to do more to earn the trust of the other side. Now that I've alienated all of you, let me go to the other side. For those of you that are on the right and jump up and down and yell and scream, don't take my guns. Let me ask you one, one simple question. Which death is the last one? Like, like what part of where we are as a nation right now do you say your plan is working really how many people die before you say wait this isn't working there are bad guys everywhere in the world and you almost feel like like look at the ukraine for a second thank god the ukraine had some weapons they could get to there are legitimate reasons and i totally get that But we are the greatest nation in the world, and we lead the world in mass shootings. Can we not do better? I mean, is there nothing we can have a conversation about to say, let's do this? The common line a lot of you have is that law would not have stopped that guy to get that gun. That law wouldn't stop that guy. That law wouldn't stop that guy. And everything is that's a bad law. Okay. Let's go to you, members of the gun lobby, and say, what's a good law? I think you're wrong if you think more guns are a better way to stop gun violence. A lot of you like to say, well, uh, if we had... If we had more cops, more uh, like on campus at UNLV, let's say you got another cop there and he's able to put down this guy with the weapon sooner. Okay, but are you willing to vote for the taxes that it takes to pay that guy? Are you willing to vote for more taxes in order to pay for colleges to afford other people for school districts? How many times have you voted against a school district issue? There's a lot of reasons to vote for those school district issues. There's a lot of reasons to vote against those school district issues. My point today on Doug's big one, it's actually not to piss you off, even though I probably did. <laughs> My point on Doug's big one today is I, don't, I know one thing we all have in common. And that one thing we all have in common is we don't want to see people's children dead. Since we believe that, and I know that we believe that, Can some leader on each side of this discussion with the only goal in mind to keep people alive figure out a way to do better? I'm not the one to answer that question. I don't know enough about weapons to really have an intelligent opinion. You know, when I'm talking to you about sports, I I can't tell you how much research I've done into something to give an opinion. I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to ahead of time before I give an opinion, even people that I disagree with. So I understand more of what's going on on that side. That's who I am. That's, that's, that's how I've always run as a sports talk show host. Think about all the times I've been critical of Dr. Crow. And I've always said, I'm not going to talk about him as a president of a university. I'm not in that realm. I have no idea how to correctly criticize or compliment the president of a university. I don't know what it's like to run academia 
I don't talk to those people. I don't know. So I don't, I, I don't compliment or criticize. I only talk about the way he runs athletics. I look at this and say, I'm not the person to talk to about what's right. I never will be. But I can tell you what's wrong. <laughs> and what's wrong are dead kids. Now, what is somebody prepared to do about it in an intelligent way that actually listens to the other side and then explains what more can be done? It'll probably be another two or three years before I ever talk about something political again on Doug Franz Unplugged. So for those of you that I deeply offended of even going here, I understand. I I know you listen to Doug Franz Unplugged to get or or watch it here on WTSMTV.com to have an escape, to get away from that. And this is your escape. And now here I am bringing front door news you know, into your head when you want to try to just, Doug, I, I know about it. I've read about the UNLV situation. I didn't want to hear about it from you. I can, I can respect that, and I probably let you down a little bit. But this was, this was just hurting me yesterday when I, when I read about it and when I listened to the stories. And I don't know why this is the one that just made me go, can't do it anymore. Got to figure it out. And so anybody that is incredibly pro-Second Amendment, I want you to keep your guns. Anybody that hates guns, I do too. That's how I feel. For me, that's not hypocritical. It's not hypocritical for me to be a a gun-hating gun owner. (laughs) It's simple for me, but it's my wife's gun. If a cop asks me, do you own a gun? I'd like to say no, but my wife does. It's, it's, It's somewhere over there. I don't know where. Never even seen it. I know that's weird. But I thought I should open up to you today and let you know that I think we are the greatest country in the history of the world. And this is an area where the world has has us beat. How do we honor the Constitution? How do we do everything the Second Amendment gives us without taking away that right? And at the same time, realizing we're failing. (laughs) anybody that fights for the current system it's failing and let's stop failing because we're america and we can we can do better nowhere to go after that uh, obviously um i'll tell you what let's if you don't mind i don't i don't mean to hit a break this early but will you hit break two for me jeff Weir production and uh, coming up next, we have two interviews back-to-back. We're going to talk to Brad Smith and uh, on the Organic Football Show to be able to help you with your football team. We're also going to talk to Rudy Carpenter. Got a lot of ASU basketball to talk about as well. And I want to explain to you the enigma that is the Rule 5 draft. And then I also want to pray that you keep watching and listening to me and you don't turn me off forever. That's all coming up next on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Here is Sue Riggler talking about game day at 100 Mile Brewing Company. Game day here at 100 Mile Brewing is less than a mile away from ASU. So game day, we have the hockey game at Mullet. We've got basketball at Desert Financial, and we have football at Sun Devil Stadium. We have free parking, and you can actually even walk over. We've got a parking garage with eight floors, so we'll never run out of parking, and it's free. So it's it's always a buzz and fun to have to watch the games here. 100 Mile Brewing Company. Fresh. 
it never gets old. I know it's a little bit difficult to understand this, but right now is a fantastic time to get a new air conditioner. Your AC unit has worked unbelievably hard in one of the hottest summers on record in the city of Phoenix. Well, right now, Parker & Sons has stocked up on air conditioners for the summer, and now the summer's over. So they're not nearly as expensive to get those units because they need to move them on. So you get that tremendous advantage on price. Now, if you're not sure if you need a new air conditioner, join the Parker Family Plan. We've been on the Parker Family Plan since about, oh, I don't know, a year or two after we moved here, and it's been fantastic. I totally believe they helped extend the life of our current unit by keeping it up to date with its warranty, warned us of pending doom, we admit, and eventually we got a new one from Parker & Sons and saved a lot of money because we were on the Parker family plan. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two. Then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. I do not have a cough button. I don't know why I went Forrest Gump on you there. Just read on Twitter something that we have all heard is going to happen. And now front office sports is one that uh, is report. No, it's a Wall Street Journal officially the first to report it. John Rahm is going to live golf. I hate live golf. I hate it with a passion. But Commissioner Fincham of the PGA deserves so much blame for butchering all of this that I'm not going to change in my hatred of live golf. But at some point, you have to look at the powers that be at the PGA and say, your failure is so above and beyond that it can't be contrived or that, that it can't be I don't know what the word would be it, it can't be I, I guess forgiven in a sense and the reason why I say that is they went into an agreement halfway through the year with Live Golf halfway through this year without really telling on any of their players and it was basically suing for peace hey we've got to stop the bidding war because we can't afford to keep up with you I get it. That's what you thought was the right move. But where you are an ignorant fool, Commissioner, is you actually thought the Saudis were just going to play nice. You thought, okay, we're, you're not going to go after our players. We're not going to go after your players. And we'll figure out a way to sing Kumbaya and everybody's happy. And instead, you still haven't gotten this supposed deal done. And now they just took one of your most prominent golfers. What kind of partnership is this? How did you not see this? I mean, that, that's how blind you were. That's how blind you were. And you deserve it. Commissioner, you deserve this because you're so bad at your job. And it's, 
it's really frustrating watching your leadership be responsible for the destruction of the PGA. And I, I don't know how it's going to recover. Not that it can't recover from the loss of one person, but with John Rahm going over, it's, it's just one more of those. He's, he's in the moment. All the other guys, to me, that went over there were mostly washed-up has-beens or younger guys that weren't going to succeed on the PGA Tour anywhere. Anyway, now, obviously, Dustin Johnson's different. Dustin Johnson... Okay, that one hurt. I don't like Dustin Johnson, but he's a great golfer. Uh, Brooks Kepka is a different story because I think Brooks Kepka is a hypocrite because of how he blasted Live Golf. And then once he realized he's so injured, he doesn't think he's going to make a lot of money anymore on the PGA Tour. He ran for the money, then got healthy, and now he's winning. And he tries to say, well, I'm not really you know, a Live Golfer or a PGA. I just, I just golf. So no, you made your choice. You're a hypocrite because of all the things that you said ripping all of the live golfers just to turn and run to live golf. But now that Brooks is back as one of the great golfers in the world, that hurts. It hurts a lot that he's gone. There's an old line that applies to sports so well. No snowflake in an avalanche feels responsible. That is so true. And look at, I actually compared the PGA Tour and, and the Pac-12 in the same way. So many people in the Pac-12 wanted to blame other people for the destruction of the Pac-12 instead of ever looking at themselves. That they were such bad leaders, they didn't understand college sports to the level that they didn't react. While a Brett Yormack, the commissioner of the Big 12, the Big 12 schools, that conference was dead. That conference was dead. When the Big 12 lost Nebraska and it lost Missouri and it lost Colorado, that conference was dead. And instead of figuring out a way to win, I remember talking to Pac-12 people all the time. And all they would say is, well, we don't want Boise State because they don't have the academics. We don't want BYU because, well, you know, it's just, it's just not a fit. It was a way to in a sense, be religiously insensitive. To act like because you're Mormon, you're beneath us. So they would say, it's just, it's just not a cultural fit, is how they would put it. San Diego State's beneath them. Texas Tech is beneath them. All of those schools, they're, they're beneath the Pac-12. And that's why. And I am one that looks at it and says, because of your arrogance, Pac-12, that's exactly why you don't exist anymore. And for some reason, the same people that made the decisions to destroy the Pac-12 are still in the positions that they are after destroying the Pac-12, which is amazing to me that nobody has the power to look at that and say, wow, the amount of money you've blown in in destroying the Pac-12, you should be held accountable for, and yet they're not. And I look at the same way with Commissioner of the PGA. Rudy Carpenter coming up 15 minutes, and I'll probably talk a little Pac-12 with him, but... It's time for us to help you. Organic Football Show is every Tuesday afternoon at 1. It's every Sunday morning at 10 going into the kickoff time of the 11 o'clock games to help you with your fantasy football team. Brad Smith joins us from that show right now. And oh my gosh, Brad, it is black as night. What, what's happening to you hard laboring people? 
Yeah, I'm actually in a parking lot at Home Depot. I thought I'd get a better spot, but uh, <laughs> I got I got no light here. I wonder if I can do this. Well, yeah, there but we then go. that looks better. But I'm I'm now I'm worried that you're going to try to start the car after we talk, and then your day shot, and you're not going to be able to start the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'll be fine. <laughs> Okay, good. It's a good. new it's a new truck, so. Oh, a gamer, gamer. Then more importantly, a new battery. How's life? How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Did you win I'm, this week? I did win this week. I have lots nice. of thank you to you because I am now sitting in a four way tie for third place in a league that's got four playoff spots. So I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good with a lot of the moves that you have you have helped me make. I've got some issues for this week to tell you about from a starting standpoint and i if i was a prepared talk show host i would already have this up but when i look at i'm actually for the first time having i have a problem of depth that is not uh an issue of weakness i'm getting a little too deep and that's i don't where you want to be it, it, that's exactly what i would assume so now i gotta figure out okay what is the best way so let me start i have pakua from uh the rams What's your feeling about his health? What's your feeling that now that he's no longer this secret little kid that nobody knows about, and and more importantly, the other teams know about? How should I look at him right now? Um, I I would kind of start him as a flex too. If you said you were deep, I'm kind of curious to see who the other guys are. Okay, I only have uh, I only have one flex position in my league. Um, so okay. when you said flex two, I'm assuming that means there are a lot of leagues that have two flex positions. Uh, in our league, we start one running back, one wide receiver, and two flex. Ah, okay. My league is two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, and flex. Um, gotcha. So I've only got uh, I've only got one flex. So let me pull up my team, and I'm also wondering, and I'll actually ask the same question. And of course, I'm basically stalling, getting pissed off at my. Uh, um, iPad that's not opening up my account very well is I want to know about T Higgins when you see how well the Bengals played like I just assume put him on the bench because he's not only hurt but Joe Burrow's out I don't I'm not going to get the numbers and then I saw how well Browning played and how well the Bengals looked is that a one-time thing or is that something that I can start counting on and actually think T Higgins is going to do something for me no, I think you can start counting on it. I think one of the big reasons is Burrow is helping the kid out. Like, you see him on the sideline. He's got the iPad out. He's still got the sling on. Where, you know, you see Deshaun Watson sitting up in the booth. You know, some of these guys, they get hurt, and they don't care about helping the team because, I mean, in a sense, you don't want to help the guy that could theoretically replace you. But, you know, Joe Burrow, I don't think, is that kind of guy. He, he knows his job is safe. He's got a big contract. And he want, he's a winner. That's the one thing I like about Joe Burrow. If he can't play, he still wants to win. So I think a lot of it is the tutelage with Joe Burrow, and he's in a great fit, a great spot. So I'm, I'm encouraged by it, and I think T. Higgins isn't necessarily a bad start. I'd feel more confident with the Bengals offense right now than the the Rams offense. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. Then you might have answered the question. I mean, unless you have Kyron Williams. That's totally different. I do not. Um, so here is my weapons. McCaffrey and Mostert are my starting running backs. Higgins and Ayuk are my starting receivers. I have Derrick Henry, who right now is listed as questionable, but he's not in a concussion protocol, is my running back, or is my flex. 
so that's who I've got. My choices are Garrett Wilson of the Jets. I don't know why I, I haven't gotten rid of him because it's not his fault. But, you know, if it you don't have a quarterback. too good to get rid of. Yeah, that's how I feel like. And then I got Tony Pollard. I've got Keenan Allen, which is my big question because Keenan Allen is projected, according to ESPN, to do well. Terry McLaurin, who's on a bye. And then Nakua um, from the Rams, who's right now is listed as questionable. So there's my there's my bench. And I guess my big question would be, do I want to bench a T. Higgins for a Keenan Allen? Do I want to yes. risk Nakua? Yes? Okay. Okay, yes, tell me why. 100%. If he's healthy, Keenan Allen is the top three, top five wide receiver. Okay. He should be a start. He should be your number one wide receiver. Man, I'm glad we do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I have done well ever since I started listening to you. What are – now let me ask more generic for other people. What are the things they should be looking at now as they get closer to their playoffs? Uh, you just really – I mean, it's the same thing kind of goes to me as always. Like, when I look at wide receivers, I look at targets and receptions. Like, if he gets 13 t- targets and five receptions, that's still a great thing because they're looking to him 13 times. He could have had a tough matchup. You know, they could have been throwing the ball wrong. But if if he's consistently getting 10-plus targets as a wide receiver, that is massive uh, target share. So, stuff like that you want to look for. A uh, couple guys on the waiver wires. Obviously, I talked last week about Rashawn Johnson. He had the bye week. I think he's going to come out, really solidify himself as possibly the number one, definitely the number two guy. So I think it's going to be kind of a split backfield like uh, Gibbs and Montgomery. So I do think even if he is the number two, there's still value in there. Uh, Rashad Stevenson went out. So, you know, if you're a big fan in the Patriots offense, which, you know, I'm not a big fan of, but if you're in a tight spot, Zeke, Zeke could be your guy. Washington, uh, Robinson went down. So good old Antonio Gibson's backup. He could be your guy too. And also I like Zay Jones. I know Herbert got a hurt, but uh, with Calvin Ridley out, I think Zay Jones is a big pop. Hmm. Jeff, we are production. Are you as amazed as I am that the light behind uh, Brad Smith just keeps getting cooler and cooler? I've never done an interview while I'm watching the sunrise at the same time. You're all you're, you're already brighter, Brad. It's just I gotta admit, yeah. it, it's kind of cool. Um, do Doug, you? Our future's yeah, bright. <laughs> thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Especially with the change I just made. I am heavily influenced by a category on the ESPN chart, and I don't know if everybody's fantasy league is ESPN, but opponent rank, you know, how good is that opponent's defense at stopping that position that your player is playing against? Am I, even though we've never talked about this, am am I overly influenced or under-influenced? How much do you as a, I joke about this, but I'm not really joking, a professional fantasy player, how much do you look at that category of opponent rank? Um, uh, I kind of use it as a little bit, kind of more like as my coin tosser. Okay. Like I go with my gut. And then if I'm on the fence about someone, I kind of look at the opponent ranks and be like, eh, well, I guess this is one's a 30 and one's a four. Maybe I'll go with the 30. Okay. But I mean, those numbers are, are very skewed. I don't really trust them. I just kind of, I go with my own gut and then use that as a guidelines when I can't decide one way or the other. Okay. The reason why uh, another reason why I ask is I have Evan Ingram at tight end. I don't have any other tight ends on my roster. They take on Cleveland, and according to opponent rank, we I think we all agree the Browns have a good defense. But the Browns are the number one defense in the league at stopping the tight end, and yet 
should I be going to get another tight end in order to find somebody that's competing against a weaker team? No, when you have talent like an Evan Ingram, especially last game, he really turned it on. He, he looked like a wide receiver out there. So when you can get a wide receiver in the tight end position, that is massive because they, they run the ball, the yards after catch, and the target share is going to be way more than – you know, a guy that blocks most of the time and then goes out for a couple routes. Okay. So I like Evan Ingram. I, that's why I told you to keep him because you had, I know you had Kittle and you got rid of him. Right. But Evan Ingram is totally, uh, you know, a guy serviceable, the guy that mm-hmm. you can just put in and count on. And I think that uh, I tend to go to tight ends when there's new quarterbacks because they don't have that much time to do their progressions. They're not having that much time in the pocket. So they kind of panic and they go to a lot of dump offs and tight end passes. For those of you that are listening uh, on the Doug Franz Unplugged podcast, or if you're watching here on WTSMTV.com and you don't know what Brad was referring to, I made a big trade in which I traded to a tongue of Iloa and George Kittle, and I picked up Derek Henry, Raheem Mostert, and Nakua for, for those three. And uh, big trade. It was awesome because Derek Henry crushed it in only playing three quarters last week. I was down to one quarterback, and when Lamar Jackson had his bye week, I picked up Russell Wilson on waivers, and it was the only week Russell Wilson did anything all year. It just happened to be the week that he was starting for me, and I got 24 points out of Russell that week, I think it was. So I was jacked up about that, and of course now I have Lamar Jackson right back up as uh, as my starter. So I'm, I'm doing reasonably well. All right, last one is just uh, y- you. Tell me about uh, everything. It's, oh, yeah, go ahead. Quick point I got to tell these people about a little fantasy football thing. And you'll see this now as we get into the winter. A lot of people in the beginning of the season, you know, they got the Keenan Allens, they got the Justin Jeffersons, and maybe with the exception of Tyree Kill this year, everyone was really big on wide receivers. They were burning to get lots of points. But once it gets cold and they don't throw the ball as much, the running backs take over. And so that's why I told you go get Derrick Henry. Yeah. Because when it's cold out and Derrick Henry hits you, they don't tackle. They just fall off him. Yeah. So that's when you start seeing things get bounced. So in the cold season, it's very important to have stud running backs when it comes to the playoff time. Because you'll see a bunch of guys, they'll get like 60 yards and that's it. And when they used to get you 18 points and now they're getting 7-8, it's, yeah. it's a drastic change. And Tyree killed not only but, because he's great, but because it's Miami where he's playing. That makes uh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's, and that's a fantastic like His point. numbers are insane this year. Like, mm-hmm. insane. Yeah, he's, he's money and I've had to play against him too, way too often. Alright, last thing. Tell me about Sunday. What do you guys have coming up on Sunday? There's a lot of people that are questionable right now. Yeah, uh, Rich and Matt are questionable to come to the show. So it's just going to be me and Sorrow. <laughs> But uh, regardless, as a team, we're going to pull through. We're going to give you guys a great show. We're going to let you know about all the injuries, all the, you know, sits and, you know, weather changes, everything that comes up an hour before game time. Because And go get Fantasy Life app because that thing will just notify you every minute of the day. Every time there's a change, it lets you know. So at 9 o'clock, it's just boop, 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 and just my phone goes off. And that's, that's where we get all our information from. So it's a really good app, Fantasy Life app. But we will be on at 10 a.m. just in case you don't get it and give you all the information. So join us, me and Sorrow, and we'd love to have you guys. Hey, great. And uh, sorry that I didn't have any pumps for you to tap the uh, keg from Hunter Mile Brewing Company last week. Oh, it's okay. And uh, <laughs> my wife wanted me to tell you she made me get a haircut, Doug. Oh, no. Look at that. Man, yeah. I was, as, as a bald man, I was a big fan of the, of the whole salad yeah. you had going on. She said I was making you feel uncomfortable. 
No, I'm just kidding. kidding. She thought she thought you were hilarious. I'm just kidding. I was totally jealous. I, that's all it is. It's sheer yeah. jealousy it was, on my part. Uh, I got to get a cut before the holidays, you know? Yeah, I get it. That's so. fantastic. Brad, you're awesome. Have a good show on Sunday. Have a great day. Thank you. There's Brad Smith, Organic Football Show, every Tuesday, 1 o'clock, every Sunday at 10 o'clock. That Sunday show, it's really going to save you and help you out a lot if you're a fantasy football player. All right, coming up next, Rudy Carpenter is going to join us. Former ASU quarterback, heavily involved in training young quarterbacks and even NFL quarterbacks. We're going to talk to him about ASU. We're going to talk to him about the Cardinals, talk about NIL, talk about football in general and who knows you might have some hockey information for us let's talk to rudy next this is doug franz unplugged presented by whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass on wtsmtv.com it's big it's juicy it's meaty get your burrito at burrito express if you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally, we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995 now we're where we are now all right i think our next guest knows this i don't know if he knows this or not for sure but i think he does rudy carpenter former asu quarterback was a reasonably constant fill-in for wolf on the old show and i loved having him and there were two rules on the station, which uh, was always a problem that not, not a lot of people know about. Number one, if you, if you said something mean to Gambo, they would block you from being on my show. So that happened a couple of times. I'm not going to tell you who. That happened a couple of times. And then with Rudy, even though I think Rudy's awesome, Rudy's kind of crazy. And the station got too nervous that Rudy would be crazy on air. And then somehow every time I said, hey, why don't, why, why don't we have Rudy fill in? Oh, okay. We'll try it. And then they wouldn't tell me, but then all of a sudden it'd be somebody else. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, what happened to Rudy? Oh, so now it's awesome getting fired because now I can have Rudy on whenever I want. And Rudy Carpenter <laughs> joins us right now, former ASU quarterback, former NFL quarterback. Rudy, what's up? How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you? Sorry good. that my uh, my voice might be a little messed up. I uh, I've been on the on the uh, phone. I feel like for two days straight uh, with some of my business stuff. So my voice is a little uh, run down. Well, let's let's start there. Tell us about uh, endurance sports management. What are you into? Yeah. So three years ago, um, you know, me and a couple of my partners, actually my former agent, we decided to. You know, start an agency and a, and a management service, um, you know, to make a long story short, we just felt like, you know, too many of, of NFL players, professional athletes were going broke. And we just wanted to basically, uh, you know, for, for this interview, um, we, we basically wanted to create a platform that, um, 
would give players a plan, not just in their agency, but also in their, their off-field endeavors, most, mostly their financial situation. So we've been going for three years. We got, you know, 27 active players in the NFL. And, you know, I, I think this year should be our best draft. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Tell me, I, I know you're a good dude and you're not going to just take the knees out from other people, but since you've been in that world, Tell me what happens. Like, why is this an issue? Why do players go broke? Why are more agents not doing what you're doing? Well, I actually don't think it's the agent's fault. Um, okay. You know, before before I got into the business, I, I thought that. I, I blamed the agents and I thought, you know, they did a terrible job, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth of the matter is, is if you go look at the definition of an agent, according to the NFLPA, the definition of an agent to the NFLPA is a contract advisor. That's it. His only job is to do the contract. And I think too many times people think that the agent's job is to also be the business manager and the financial advisor and the and the CPA and and the real estate agent yeah. and everything else. And that's that's just not the case. And so the, the problem is is that most of these players don't, you know, understand any of that. They sign with an agent they get their money and they think that they're just going to piece it together as they go. But the truth of the matter is, you know, the, these guys need to build a team. They need a financial advisor or a broker. They need, a, you know, someone to help them with their cash flow and budgeting. They need someone that's going to help them purchase a, a home or, or, you know, rent an apartment or a condo that they're not going to get stuck in a lease if they get mm. cut. Now that they have money, they, they need someone to help them with all of their insurance policies, their car insurance, you know, their homeowner's insurance, their umbrella policies, just so they can't get sued. People want to take what they now have. Mm. Um, and then, you know, players get paid. You know, they used to get paid over a 16 week period. Now they get paid over a 36 week period. But the, the, the truth of the matter is, is most players they make their money, you know, at the in, in the first quarter, the first quarter and a half of their life. And they have to figure out how to make that money last, you know, the rest of their life. The truth is, is most of these guys don't have other skills. That's mm -hmm. truth number one. The other thing is, is there's a lot of times, you know, they're young and dumb and they're going to spend money, <laughs> you know, uh, not going to be very smart. But there's also another thing, you know, a lot of times the players that do well, make a lot of money, get to where they want to go financially. When they're done playing, their star is gone. And when their star is gone, many times their significant other, her star is gone too. And so many times, you know, they're used to their husband being gone, being at work. But then when they're home, being somebody in the community, et cetera, et cetera. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they're home 24 seven. And that tests their relationship. Many times they get divorced. And now all of a sudden, you know, we didn't plan for that financially. And now she walks away with, you know, half of his wealth and half of all of his, you know, retirement plans. So um, it's it's in my view, it's a lot more complicated than most people think. I'm glad you went that deep because I admit I had no idea, especially the latter portion. I think that's huge um, with, uh, you know, the way to my heart. If you ever if your company ever wants to buy me beer every now and then, I you, you've <laughs> always you've always been so good to me. You've taught me so much about the game, the times you would come in studio and and show me film on different players of what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong conversations on the phone to help me learn the game better that 
if there's anything I can do for you guys for beer as far as helping with media training and things like that, because the number one thing for me is how many players think the NFL media relations guy is there for them. It's like, yeah, when you're playing well, that's a great guy. And as soon as things don't go your way, man, is that guy all about the team and not about you anymore. So to be, if, if there's ever a conversation you guys want me to have with a guy to, or a, a group of guys somewhere, just yet, let me know. I'd be glad to help. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, let's jump into – I don't even have a question. I just – I know you well enough to know just to let you go. And and I just want to say, ASU football, give me a fair report card with all the crap Kenny Dillingham had to deal with, yet at the same time, what may be things that he didn't do that needed to be done. What is your view of the current status of the last 360 days of ASU football? Yeah, you know, I I just went to uh, the ASU football banquet. I was just there over the weekend, and I, I thought, you know, there's a story from there that I think is 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 good in the sense of of who Kenny Dillingham is, right? And what I mean by that is, you know, we got up there, he got up there, and in, in you know, to give his speech regarding the banquet and to talk about everybody, and a lot of times. You know, especially in today's new realm of football, a coach can get up there and spend all of his time talking about NIL, spend all of his time talking about fundraising, spend all of his time with with, you know, trying to build the program, especially in Kenny's standpoint. You got a bunch of boosters in there that are going to be big towards, you know, helping this team, you know, get some better, you know, fundraising going. But I think this speaks to Kenny and who he is, and I think it's important. He got up there and he basically said, I don't want to talk fundraising. I know we've been doing that at the banquet. I don't want to talk NIL. I know we've spent all of our time here at the banquet going over that. I want to just talk about the seniors and what a great job they've done and trying to honor these guys and give these guys the respect they deserve. And more importantly, I want all of you guys who are out there in the crowd to come talk to these guys, give them your business card, help these guys be successful in life, help these guys get a job when they're done playing football. To me, you know, I think that speaks to who Kenny is. And I think that's, you know, very important. Unfortunately, that's not going to help him keep his job, you know, for a very long time if they don't start winning football games. That's just the nature of, you know, college football. But Overall, I think that speaks to who Kenny is and the culture he wants to build. And I think that's going to be appreciated from all of the the players, um, you know, at ASU. With that being said, I I think ASU is in a similar position as the Arizona Cardinals. They just have a lack of talent. That's just what it is. If you just look at it, they, they don't have the talent that the other teams they're playing have. You watch the Cardinals, they got some guys here and there that can spark some plays and make some explosive plays. You watch ASU, they have a couple of guys that can make explosive plays, but overall, they don't have the depth, they don't have the talent, they don't have the explosive players that you need to be able to compete for a conference championship or a college football playoff spot. The last thing I would say is, Kenny's done a great job building this coaching staff. A lot of guys who are loyal to the Valley, a lot of guys who are loyal to ASU, 
I've been saying for a long time, that's what ASU needs. They need to get some guys who, you know, like Kenny, went to school here. They're loyal to this program. They don't want to use this job as a stepping stone. They want to stay here for life. And then the administration needs to give them a chance to build this team and build this roster and not fire them after three seasons or so. But with that, I think Kenny does need to reevaluate, you know, are, are some of these coaches on my staff, are they great coaches for this job and capable, or are they just my friends that I'm comfortable with who I've known for a long time? Mm. You know, I think that's a question he's already started to address a little bit with some of the moves that he's already made. Um, you know, now, hopefully he doesn't make that same mistake when hiring these new guys. But, you know, I think ultimately that's really where this program is right now. I think Kenny's the right guy. I think he's going to do a good job. I like where he is and who he is. And now they got to go find the talent. And that's tough in today's environment because I'm not sure ASU has the NIL money. What do you like about Jaden Rashada, and what's your biggest question for him going forward? I'm going to be totally honest. I don't know how many people are. I don't know enough about the kid to even give you an opinion. <laughs> That's how he I feel about it. Okay. <laughs> yep. He, okay. He, just, he hasn't played enough. You know, I personally, what I think happened is, you know, look, I know Kenny came out and acted surprised when ASU, you know, put their their little own bowl ban on the program, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, that was laughable. It's like, Kenny, don't be surprised, buddy. You negotiated in your contract that you would get an extension and more money if this happened. So you definitely anticipated it. I think when that happened, though, I think he felt like, okay, this season is a waste. Let's go ahead and throw Jalen Rashada out there. Let's just get him some experience and see what he can do personally, I think that was probably the right move. I, I, I do. I think that was probably the best thing to do. Just throw him out there, let him get his feet under himself a little bit, just throw him to the fire. If, he, if his confidence can't handle it, in my opinion, maybe he's not the guy anyways, um, if, that's just, if that's what he's made of, in my viewpoint. Okay? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, he just got hurt. And, and, you know, I don't think Kenny could have predicted the injury situation on this team, which I don't care who the coach is. There's no coach that could have, you know, you know, coached this team any better than what he did, given the injury situation they had. I love hearing you say that because I'm thinking how hard is it to recruit with what Dr. Crow, Ray Anderson, and Herm Edwards did to the program when you don't know the future, then you finally step in. You still don't know the future. Now you have all of the injuries, so you were already talent depleted going into the season. Then you're down to guys that are questionable. Are they even Division One athletes? And then I laugh at UCLA for losing. So, and you almost beat UW. I, I love that you said that about him. Now, with the people that you talk to, because a lot of people don't realize you talk to everybody. How is ASU transfer portal recruiting going right now? You know, I, I again, I think that's interesting. You know, I told you the other day I was on the phone forever, and and I I was laying in bed that night with my wife. It was the day the transfer portal opened, and I got in bed that night, and we went through my phone, and I had two. I was able to scroll with my thumb twice fully through my phone. It equaled fifty-one phone calls that I had had that day, just really about that, the transfer portal, and oh. and and what that market's going to be, and. 
you know, I, to answer your question, I, look, I think ASU will get some guys in the portal. Now, I don't know, you know, necessarily what it looks like. I know when talking to some people at ASU, they're looking for offensive linemen. They're looking for defensive linemen. They're looking for a couple defensive backs and some explosive players. I mean, mm-hmm. pretty much everything. But they need big bodies, right? That's the main thing they're looking for is big bodies, you know, that can play. Overall, though, you know, when when talking to all of these coaches, you know, around college football that I've been talking to, and ASU always comes up because they know I live out here and that I went to ASU at you know, most people either kind of laugh and say, man, college football sucks now because a place like ASU is just not going to be able to recruit top flight athletes because they can't bring in the NIL money to pay these transfer portal guys. Mm. And then the other half of people say, man, we're right there in the same boat. I mean, it's impossible. The very first question that every player in the transfer portal asks us, at least the good players, is, how much money do you have for me? Yeah. And, you know, it's for me, I'm an open market capitalist. I love it. So I'm not someone who, you know, is, you know, poo poo about I want the old way back. I, that's not me. I, I love it. These college coaches get paid. They've been some of the scummiest people I've known on planet <laughs> Earth for years. And so to me, I love the fact that these college players can get paid. It bothers me zero. Mm, mm. Let me switch you. Um, when you are learning new offenses and the times that you bounced around the NFL and had to dive in, I'm wondering what's fair to look at Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray had a wonderful debut this year, not so good after that. And then after that, it seems to me the untrained eye that it's getting worse. Yet, he keeps saying, hey, this is preseason game number one for me. This is preseason game number two for me. When you're learning a new offense, but it was installed while you were going through rehab, what's fair for him to know the offense by now? And what is, hey, that's an excuse. Suck it up. You shouldn't have done that. Or, oh, my gosh, it's only his third game of the year in a new offense. Give the guy a break. Where are you in evaluating Kyler? I'm probably right down the middle. I mean – you know, if I was Kyler, right, if I was Kyler, if I was a starting quarterback, I'd be saying the same thing. <laughs> I'd be saying, hey, man, give me a break. Like, this is only my third game back. You know, give me a break, right? Like, not only am I trying to make sure I trust my own leg, right? Like, that's a real thing. I mean, devastating knee injury, that surgery, you know, you can be apprehensive out there. So it's going to take you some time to start to trust your your own self, your own ability that that's going to take time number one number two getting back used to getting hit getting used to the speed of the game again that's definitely going to take time those are real things in boxing you hear of it as like ring rust right so it's Mm -hmm. it's a real thing that's going to definitely definitely take time with that being said look kyler's a smart kid um when you when you talk about new offenses literally all everybody runs the same place we all just call it something different i know you like the examples so i'll give you one and these examples like these are the these when i say these are the same plays not only is it the same play but it's the same formation it's the same personnel it's the same motion and it's the same exact protection and the play is coached up the exact same way so 
You guys might have heard of the West Coast offensive system for people who play Madden or whatever. That <laughs> This play would sound like, you know, gun, double right, zip, two jet, Z drive, zebra sale, right? That same exact play in the numbers system would sound like this, gun, double right, zip, jet right, 940F corner. But those two plays are literally the same exact plays. So I'm sure for Kyler, it's just really about learning, you know, the verbiage, learning how the plays are called um, and, and getting comfortable with it rolling off of his tongue smoothly, you know, while he's, he's in the huddle. Um, but the, the progressions and the way the play is read and how he's supposed to go through it and, and execute it, you know, all of those things are, are the same. So to me, I, look, I think there's truth in, in, in both sides, right? Number one, yeah, he should know it. Number two, I think he needs time to get used to the timing and the accuracy and decision-making and processing both those things are true you know unfortunately there's pundits like me and you who who have to you know opine on these things and so you know people just you know make certain uh you know uh, opinions known I, I think the real truth of the matter is the arizona cardinals they suck they don't have talent like that i mean that's just what it is right yeah. you you watch them and you compare them to a miami dolphins roster you compare them to a San Francisco 49ers roster and how many guys on the Cardinals current roster would make the 49ers roster. So to me, that's just what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. If I ask you top five, top 10, top 20, barely a starter. I mean, where with all the information you have on Kyler Murray in his career, how would you rank him? as as a quarterback in the in the modern NFL right now is he a franchise quarterback or is he a placeholder I think that Kyler Murray is probably what he's he's always been he's he's a very 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 talented dude he's a once in a generation type of talent and for the same reason he was drafted in, I believe, in the top 10 in baseball in the first round. He was. And the same reason he was taken number one overall in football was because of this, his ceiling for potential. And I, I just think that's how he's always been evaluated. That's how he's always been viewed. And sometimes those players, they work out. Sometimes they do. And sometimes those players don't. In my viewpoint, especially in the NFL, I think it has more to do with the front office. It has more to do with the ownership and it has more to do with the environment they place that quarterback in. The example I'll give is you've seen somebody wear a Cleveland Browns jersey, right? Where they have all, they they block out the number. They have all the quarterbacks who have been there, right? Yep. Nobody's ever going to convince me that all of those quarterbacks were busts or terrible. No one's ever going to convince me in Cincinnati Bengals all of those guys were busts and terrible. I think that when they had Carson Palmer, you know, I think that their front office and their ownership and all of that was terrible, coaching Mm -hmm. staff, et cetera. When they got Joe Burrow, they've made changes. They've made adjustments. 
and they've given Joe Burrow a chance, right? And ultimately, I think that, you know, Kyler, I don't think that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was a good hire for him. I think Cliff Kingsbury was a comfortability hire. And ultimately, I think that set him back because that allowed Kyler to keep his little, you know, college type attitude and mentality. Mm-hmm. And, and in my view, I think that Cliff Kingsbury knew he was a fraud the entire time and was just happy to keep riding that fraud out as long as he could. And he definitely didn't want to upset Kyler Murray. That's mm-hmm. just my viewpoint. I, it's strong, but boy, does it make sense because I, I would watch him and I've seen good play callers were more, you're building a story. Okay, I'm going to call this in the first quarter. I don't care if it works. I want to see how you respond, and it's going to set me up for later in the game. I'm going to be able to build a story through my play calling. And I didn't consider Cliff a play caller. I I considered him a play grabber. Like, he would spend hours and hours and hours watching film and think I've designed this one perfect play, forgetting that the other team has a lot of really good players. And then when his couple perfect plays didn't work, man, he was was just grab bagging all over the place and I never felt like a, something was building am I right is that how you what what did you see from Cliff as an offensive play caller well before you said it the word I was going to use I was going to interrupt you and say he's a grab bagger that's exactly what he is I mean wow okay he, he, like he, he, he literally just you know grabs plays out and and calls them there's no rhyme there's no reason there's no a lot of times You've heard of, you know, the the opening plays, the opening script, the first 15 plays that that, uh, an offense will run. And most of the time, you run those plays because you want to get in a personnel group. You want to get in a certain formation. And it's not because you want to score a touchdown. It's because you want to see, is the defense going to play this the way that we thought? Is the defense going to run the coverage that we think they're going to run because we're setting up something later in the game? And and in my view, they're, I'm sure they did that, okay, to a certain extent. Cliff's mm-hmm. not that terrible. But <laughs> I, I, I don't I, – I just don't think they ever stuck to it. I What I really personally believe happened is I think that they felt like, let's go get Kyler and then let's match him up with a coach that's going to run – the system that Kyler runs well. What we don't want, which also happens in the NFL, is people draft a quarterback really high because he's got a lot of physical talent, and then he comes in there and he runs the same offensive scheme that every other quarterback in the NFL is running, and it's just not a fit. And I think Steve Kime looked at Kyler and said, no, this is a special talent. This is a generational talent who needs to have a coach who understands that generational talent and is going to allow him to run the type of offense that all the other old NFL coaches think won't work, but Cliff will. He'll run it. So let's marry it in the NFL and let's see if it works. And ultimately, we got the answer is no, Mm -hmm. it, it, it actually doesn't work. And there's a reason why, you know, the philosophy has been how it's been. If, if Kyler was playing for a Mike McDaniel, if Kyler was playing for a Kyle Shanahan or even a Sean McVay or an offshoot of all those coaches of Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota, I think Kyler would have a lot more success because those are coaches who 
look at their players and they say, okay, how can we best use these players? And there's no better example than when you would listen to Mike McDaniel talk about Tua Tagovailoa before he ever even coached him in a game. He was a believer in him when everybody else wasn't. And he said, I'm a believer because I know exactly how I'm going to use him. And they're doing it, right? Um, And I think with Kyler now, you had a situation with Cliff where it was, let's run this college offense, which is horrible and predictable. Uh, And then uh, now he's got a situation where he's just coming in with a coaching staff that just says, hey, we're going to go back to running a regular NFL offense like we've always done it. Come on, Kyler. And they're not putting him in a position to specifically use his talent. Would you draft another quarterback if I make you Cardinals general manager, or would you roll with Kyler in 2024? Uh, Again, unfortunately, I don't think that's a decision that can be made based on what's best for the team or who the best quarterback is. Unfortunately, I think in Kyler's situation, this is now a business decision because of the contract. I mean, it just just is what it is because of the contract. And – And again, you know, I don't know. I think that contract was only done for one reason and one reason only. I think that was Steve Keim trying to force it on everybody that along with the ownership that, look, we made the right decision. We made the right decision. I didn't fail on this one, guys. My last attempt to keep my job. And I'm not blaming Steve Kime for that. I know ex- that's what I feel he was doing. I, I, I get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, if it was me, I would have said, hey, Kyler, sit in Texas all off season and cry as much as you want. Like, cry as much as you want, buddy. You aren't broke, okay? <laughs> if you want to come back and play for this team, you got a couple more years on your deal. We'll figure it out then. If you want to sit in Dallas and cry, go ahead. Because this team's not good enough to win right now anyways. Go play baseball. I, I mean, honestly, I yes. I just think at some point in time, you got to deal with players like that. And, and you're now an agent, so that shows you how, uh, how much passion that you have for it. All right, I know you're busy. Last question. I don't know if you have any deep, detailed sources into the Coyotes or anything, but five straight wins against five Stanley Cup, the last five Stanley Cup champions, what would you say? Give, give me your Coyotes' opinion of the day. What's their future in Phoenix? Well, I think it's uh, hard to answer that question because, as you know, my wife obviously, you know, works for the team and she's also a pretty high up there executive. <laughs> what do you so, mean, yeah, what do you mean, mean someone? I, I what do you mean pretty high? She's like number three, isn't she? Yeah. Maybe number two? I <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I know I know what's going on. Um, I, I just I'm not obviously at, at liberty to say. I, oh, I, uh, you know, I think that they got a lot they got to work through. With that, with that being said, um, you know, they're playing great right now, yeah. like you just said. I mean, they really are playing great. I don't know if that was part of the plan to, to continue <laughs> to play so good right now or if they're still trying to, you know, you know, build this team, you know, through draft picks, et cetera. But, 
you know, they're 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 playing really good, and you got to give a lot of coaching staff a lot of credit to the coaching staff. You got to give a lot of credit right now to to the GM Bill Armstrong. You know, they're they're doing a great job, and when they play good like this, you know, it, it's important for them because the better they can play and the more games they win, if they can get into the playoffs and rally, you know, the people of Arizona, you know, it it it, it makes it. I mean, look, maybe a good example, and I have no idea if I even make any sense on this, but. I would imagine the Diamondbacks doing what they did this year was perfect timing for them when it comes time to make an argument for, you know, all of the things they want in a new baseball stadium. And I don't know if it's going to actually help. I don't know if it's going to help them get any more money or sway any opinions. But I would bet that it's better that way, you know, uh, getting to the World Series and, and packing out that stadium and making people feel like this is a viable baseball team here that can be good than the other way around. And, and I think the Coyotes, if they could do the same, you know, um, I think it would help their case, put it that way. I totally, uh, I totally agree with you. All right, last question is basically to plug yourself. At what point in a young man's development, junior high quarterback, high school quarterback, college quarterback, when should they contact endurance sports management? How can you help parents so we're not making kids think it's time to turn pro when they're 10, but at the same time, you know, build a path for that to potentially happen? Yeah, that's a, what I'm about to say, I think is going to sound crazy because before, you know, usually in the agent world, you, you see it, you look at kids in college, you, you evaluate them. Maybe you even see a kid that's a freshman All-American, right? And you kind of, you tab him and you, you try to reach out to him or family or whoever and just try to, you know, slowly drip information on them and mm-hmm. get to a favorable spot. So if they keep playing well, you can represent them one day, but as you know, I also train a lot of high school kids. You know, this year, two of the three quarterbacks at Ohio State were guys I train, right? Um, I could go on and on and on about all the other guys in college, but the point is, is you know, I've talked to guys that are, I, I talked to a lot of guys that are in high school, and, and the reason why is because of NIL. I mean, now you have kids that are making business decisions, um, before they even get to college, I mean, they're picking colleges based on how much money they're going to receive, you know, from a money standpoint or, you know, even from if it's just, you know, apparel or product they're going to receive from a company. And one of the things that I see a ton all and no one talks about, which is insane to me, is all of these kids, some of them make good money. I got a quarterback who's a backup quarterback at Ohio State took only a few snaps this year and it's made, you know, almost 300 grand. <laughs> and crazy. you know, what, what nobody talks about is their tax situation and all of these kids get their money up front. They spend every penny of it. And at the end of the year, get a fat tax bill wow. and they don't have the money to pay. Wow. Um, so, you know, to me it's, it's, you know, look that that's what it comes down to is you know i i don't know when they should contact me but the what i'm saying is you know i talk to a lot of the high level guys here in arizona anyways and and a lot of times if they're high level enough we talk to them in high school there's a there's a great player at centennial right now named noah carter who's a four-star kid going to the university of washington who you know i talked to his dad on the phone for about an hour the other day just trying to give him some advice about 
you know, his NIL situation. <laughs> You're fantastic. I, I meant to talk to you for like 15, 20 minutes. And, uh, and I, I love these talks. Sorry. I haven't reached out in a little while. Let me know how I can help because, uh, you deserve success, my friend. Yeah. Thanks for having me on and congrats on your new show. Oh, that's cool of you. Thanks. Thanks. So far, we're not broke yet, so that's good. And uh, the presenting sponsor is uh, Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, so I'll take you out there. All right. Thanks, Doug. See you, Rudy. There's Rudy Carpenter, cool enough to join us here on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. That, Like he said, his wife is the lead general counsel of the coyotes so he's unbelievably knowledgeable but he won't tell you because he wants to protect her he's involved in an nil and scouting and everything from junior high quarterbacks on up when it comes to training and he's got clients in the nfl for endurance sports management so he's got so many tentacles touching so many different things and the guy never stops working and brings his daughter everywhere brings his kids now everywhere it's just awesome really good dude So thanks a lot to Rudy Carpenter and my full endorsement. If your kid is a special athlete that might go somewhere, contact Rudy. He'll be glad to help. All right, before we bring in Steve McCollum for the main event, I really want to give you a quick shout out on ASU basketball because there's something that Bobby said yesterday that full disclosure, I have told him on the record and I have told him off the record and he actually brought it up yesterday. And I really want to dive in. ASU, a winner, 76-74, only turned the ball over eight times but was able to turn SMU over 15 times. Their defense was fantastic from 12 minutes on for the rest of the game. Here is his rundown of what happened in a game. They were once down 63-50. to I, mean, I think it was, it was more our defense stepping up than – than anything, we, we we were lost on defense for for a significant amount of time. You know, they had 61 points or so at I want to say around the 10 minute mark, which is a lot. Like we've been giving up close to that number for a game. So we, you know, we were not making multiple efforts. They were getting to the paint. We uh, you know, we got to get healthy, man. We need Sean Phillips back. We got to you know we got to get some good news on the on the waiver front. We we, we need you know we need help. <laughs> So uh, just, uh, you know, again, there was nothing Sean could do. You know, we just need more help in the paint. And, uh, and that, was, that was pretty evident. I think it was like 20 to 2 at halftime in the paint. So uh, and we, uh, we lost the paint by 20 and still found a way to win. So, I mean, it's, it's really good that you could get a win. I thought the crowd was great. They were really engaged tonight and really helped us down the stretch. He nailed that about the crowd. That that was a fantastic basketball crowd last night. All right. Now, here's the thing that I have been in disagreement with. If you're old school college basketball, you know this name. If you're not, let me tell you about a guy named Nolan Richardson. He created an offensive and defensive system called 40 Minutes of Hell. They ran it at Arkansas. You, of course, know Mike D'Antoni in seven seconds or less. With Bobby Hurley's brilliance as a guard coach... And I just want him to accept this. His continual struggles with getting bigs to come to ASU and be good rebounders. This team has been a bad rebounding team almost every year that Bobby's been here. At some point, I just say, Bobby, accept it. I want to see 40 minutes of hell that lead right into an offense that's seven seconds or less. I mean, 94 feet of basketball every second of the game. They flipped a switch last night and were amazing defensively, but didn't do it until there were about 12 minutes left in the game, officially 11 and a half. 
Why did it take so long? Here's Bobby Hurley. You know, it's tough to, to commit to playing that pressure the entire game and play that way with, with such a limited uh, amount of players that you're using that you could, you know, completely trust in a game like this against a quality, quality opponent that, that was playing pretty well. Uh, so, you know, we, we saved it until when we, we needed it the most. I get it. I would like him. It's almost a marketing thing. I mean, in today's transfer portal, with it's it's the way it is. People are going to be coming in and out all of the time into different programs now. Give yourself a signature program moment that everybody knows. You come here, you're going to score lots of points, you're going to play up and down, and therefore kids are bought in before they get there. And I think you'll be able to have something against the other more powerful schools that have better NIL deals, that have better arenas, that have better marketing, that are going to do more for the individual player, but you've got something that can that can create an identity that nobody else can do the way they played in those last 12 minutes if you watch the game who isn't buying a ticket to see that that was fantastic basketball why not do it for for 40 minutes i think they should uh sorry to d-backs fans today Uh, i went long on doug's big one that was bad talk show hosting if there's such a thing and i never expected to talk for 30 minutes to rudy but i i'm not editing that thing at all i'm not taking anything out of that detailed conversation so therefore i kind of let you down on diamondbacks if you want my quick opinion i like the signing of eduardo rodriguez and i hate the fact that they kept other people in their 40-man roster and lost uh davison de los santos i don't think they should have lost him i realize they gambled crap happens they lost i get it but there's too many other people in the 40-man roster i think they should have um maybe not gotten rid of but gambled with just accepted the fact that you know what maybe this guy isn't where we thought he was because i think de los santos is going to come back to haunt him steve mccollum hosts the main event it's coming up from eight to ten it's every weekday here on wtsmtv.com steve how are you what do you guys have going on today i'm going good doing all right uh you know it's thursday sweet lou's coming in uh, talk some gambling of course uh and all that fun jazz with five weeks left in the NFL season uh, and crappy teams out there. Where do you put your money? <laughs> I I love the Sweet Lou because I'm sure there's a lot of gamblers that that don't pull punches, but then there's Lou. Like yeah. there's there's a, he's a separate category yeah, amongst my, everybody. My favorite else. is when he tells me I'm stupid because I'm like, what about this? He's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Don't do that. <laughs> that's my favorite. He, uh, but you know, trust but, me, uh, he's done that to me in just a conversation that's not about gambling. <laughs> he, um, I mean, he's you know, even if you're not a gambling person, it, it just gives you a different perspective on sports. That uh, you know, to look at the games a certain way, uh, you know, just if you're talking to your buddies and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So it, it's a good, uh, it's a good time. I'm looking yeah, forward to it's it. It's funny too talking to him about one of his passions and one of his passions is simply stay in your lane he believes there's no way a a professional gambler can be great at at like five different sports stay in your lane and that's where you're an expert and every time i brought up oh i know this guy yes no he doesn't (laughs) and boom it just beats down anybody that thinks they can be an expert in multiple things and it does make sense that's true in life yeah it does make sense. I, I really, uh, I really enjoy uh, uh, talking to him. What did you see last night that grabbed you? What's coming up? 
Um, yeah, back to that ASU thing, man. I find it interesting that Bobby Hurley is, you know, an offensive genius, if you want to call him that. Uh, you know, comes from an offensive system, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that he cannot put together an offensive system for this ASU team with all these years is ridiculous. They, they just struggle constantly at shooting. That's the M.O. Of, of a Bobby Hurley team. And it just baffles my mind. I don't understand it. I don't understand why he can't figure this out. And it, uh, it's been a constant thing every year, it seems like. I'm, I'm with you. It, it's a philosophical uh, – I don't think he cares about my opinion, but it's a philosophical difference between the two of us of he does not want to get in the way. He thinks they win more games because of the freedom his offense allows. Yeah. And I am one where I can't stand some of the shot selection that I see from ASU players. And here's what's crazy. I don't remember that I don't remember poor shot selection at Duke. No. And not oh, that no. he is just a total – I mean, he's a soldier for Coach K, the human being, but not necessarily every philosophy yeah. of Coach K, the coach. It's, it's not it even worked, the, though. Yeah, but it's not even the shot selection. It's just the offense's run. I mean, uh, every it seems, like, it seems like every game this year. I know it's not. They've had good games to start. The, it's, it's like for the last three years, I go to a lot of ASU basketball games, and it's like the first half, you're like, all right, what team are we going to get? Yeah, yeah, uh, and, yeah. And 90% For of the me, time, it's a team that can't hit their shots. And so they come out in a hole, they're struggling, they have to come back from 16 down uh, and stuff like that. It's a constant thing. Uh, and I don't, you know, I agree with you. I almost like speed it up a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. It's almost like guys are going to play the slow half-court offense and it doesn't work well for these guys. Because he's got great athletes. Yeah. And then, for me, you're taking out some of the bad shots if you're simply attacking the rim because you're getting steals on the other end, yeah. live ball turnovers and, and things like yeah, that. Well, and they did that for 12 minutes. And I, yeah. why not do it for 40? When you don't have the length that the other teams have, like when they play Arizona, you, there's a size difference right, right, between right. Arizona and ASU. Uh, when you don't have the size advantage, man, take advantage of that. Run up and down the court. Yeah, I, absolutely. So I, it just amazes me how, you know, we talk about it all the time, coaches. And I'm not knocking Bobby Hurley at all. I think he's a fantastic coach out there. But uh, just look across town, you know, Bryce Drew. He takes – he doesn't have the length either when he plays uh, San Diego State, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what does he do? He puts a good game plan together to where they shoot well. They put everything together. And it just seems like Bobby Hurley's missing that a little bit. Yeah, they, I, I've always n- – never liked parts of of that offense and yet at the same time to the point that you made about him being a good coach ASU fans who want more tend to forget he is the most successful yeah. coach in the history of ASU at getting the team to the NCAA tournament well, and isn't that what it's about yeah it goes to everything else in life around ASU is uh, okay give it to Bob Hero who are you bringing in because uh, what big name successful coach is going to come to this administration mm-hmm. and, and t- for, for when you have a president that says oh this arena is great <laughs> As, as, I don't know about you. Whenever I go to a game, I am on edge waiting to catch an old person going down the stairs. Oh, it's it, not, it scares uh, me to death. It's even worse than that. I'm a I'm a tall dude, man. I'm like, I'm six two, man, and uh, I'm sure the people in front of me love my knees in the back of their head. <laughs> Because you know, yeah, there's no there's no depth in the seats, yeah, uh, and uh, it's just it, it makes me sit uncomfortable. It's just ridiculous, especially with today's modern seating. Oh yeah, know? and the president says everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I don't it, think this arena yeah. has well, anything to do with recruiting. That's or because he's five foot two, so he doesn't understand what <laughs> what the problems that tall people have, right? <laughs> that's that's good. How, are, are you playing fantasy football? Uh, yeah. How, how are you doing? Uh, no, it suck. Yeah, oh, I suck. Really? 
Is it injuries? Yeah, it's all injuries, man. Do you have a bad draft, bad scouts? You got to fire somebody? Yeah, I got to fire my my scouts that uh, set me up for the draft. Uh, The weird thing was, it was um, uh, this year for the draft, we we did it. um, I'm only in one league this year. Normally, I'm like four or five. Okay. And I I scaled back. But uh, we did this thing, and I didn't have good internet. I I was someplace, and I didn't have good internet, so I couldn't log in. And actually, the auto draft drafted better than I probably would (laughs) have. Uh, but no, it's just injury school. I, I have T. Higgins and uh, uh, Chase. Oh, and uh, yeah. T. Higgins has been hurt. And then, of course, Drew Burrow well, goes down. Once Burrow goes down, you lose those uh, two. But I was, it was great when they were all healthy. Yeah, you were, <laughs> you were good for it. But how rare that was ever since uh, like I, the second practice yeah. for the I, Bengals. I gambled. And I have Trevor Lawrence, who's now out. So um, I, I'm, I'm 500, roughly, uh, in that league. I'm, I managed to stay at 500. But um, my favorite part is I have a tie in that league. And my favorite part of that is, is I forgot to log in and set my Thursday lineup. And I had several players that... Uh, were out and they didn't play that Thursday game and uh, I ended up tying that guy and I looked at he set his whole lineup and I ended up tying him with like minus three players and I was like ooh man that sucks for you buddy does, yeah I was gonna say does that drive you even more crazy to know if you just would have had one yeah you smoke no. him but at the same time he's got to be embarrassed too well, that's the thing it's more embarrassed for him than it was for me it's like I, I try to because I guarantee win. you that guy was looking at the at the matchup all week saying he's gonna forget he's gonna forget and then yeah. it didn't benefit him as much as yeah. he was hoping. I think the final score was like 56 to 56 or something like that it was just a terrible output uh, as you go through it but uh, yeah no it's uh, you know, fantasy football to me is uh, you have to delve into it if you want to take it seriously uh, and things like that. But man, I just I just can't get into it when when four when I'm looking at oh can I get wide receiver twelve on a team and maybe he'll get me seven points. That's when I start to wane a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. You know, I just put him in, set it, walk away. I got to admit, I, that's why I love the organic football show because I'm now playing and I just ask them my questions and just do it. Yeah, I know. I heard that this morning. Yeah. They, they might as well just have them run it for you. Bye, bye. <laughs> Technically. That's kind of what I'm doing. Here's my login, guys. Just just go in there and fix it for me. <laughs> hey, what what uh whatever works. You got you got any games you like tonight for versus uh, Vegas? You know, I don't even know. Uh, I know the in season tournament's going. Uh, ex- yeah. Expect the Lakers to win because apparently the NBA is uh oh, you know yeah. uh, got money on the Lakers according to everybody else in the world. If I could tell you you're wrong, I would. But boy, that's what it looked like. <laughs> Coming up, 8 to 10. Isaiah Izzy Jackson. IOS Izzy on Sports coming up 10 to noon today. And speaking of the main event, as it relates to Sweet Lou, again, yesterday proved, as if you need an improvement, why I am the amateur in the room and why I am the minnow in a world of sharks like Sweet Lou. I had all the numbers there for me last night. I had everything. I took Edmonton on the money line against uh, Caroline on the money line. So money line means if you're not a gambler, that you're not using the spread. Okay, you're just betting on your team to the the team you're picking to win. But when you do that, you sometimes get less juice because Edmonton was favored. So if Edmonton's favored to win by a goal and a half, and if I would have taken that. I could have had plus 200 if it happens. So if Edmonton wins by two goals or more, then that means I basically double my money. Okay? It's a way to look at it. I said, I'm not going to go there. Even though everything points there, I want to play it safe. 
So I just took the money line bet, which just means if Edmonton wins, this is what you get. And what I got from that was minus 100. So you basically had to bet 100 to get 100. I think it was officially minus 112. So bet 112, get 100. Plus 200 was bet 100, get $200. And when I say double your money, I mean you get your money back and you get double. So you could argue you triple your money in a way. So that's what I did. I went with just the money line, play it safe, get the win, be happy. Edmonton won six to one. Six to one. So there is the good gambler in a sweet Lou. Not that he's a hardcore NHL guy or anything, but people that know what they're doing, and this is why this is for fun, they would look at that game and say, if all your numbers say Edmonton's going to win, then why aren't you going with a better sale price in a sense? And I'm like, I just, I want to be careful. I just want to be right. So a good gambler would say, I lost money yesterday because of all the money I should have won. I just say, hey, did I get it right? Yes, I got it right. And I need wins. So I got it. I approved the 1051, 958, and 7. Still under the 53% threshold. That really means you know what you're doing. So I'm pushing to get there. It was nice to go 1-0 and and just kind of calm down a little bit. I'm not touching either of the NBA games tonight because I admit, I am... I don't know. It just seems too easy to make it Lakers box. You know, it just seems too easy to say, we want Giannis, we want Dame time, we want LeBron James, we want Anthony Davis. They're all there. Let's make sure those two teams win. We can't sell Tyrese Halliburton yet to the general public. So I just have, I don't know, after watching that Lakers-Suns game with how poorly officiated, and if you didn't see it, the two-minute report came out. And the NBA is saying the referees got it right on the timeout call. They, they got it right. Totally supporting Austin Reeves still having maintained control of the ball while LeBron James called timeout. So if they're going to come out with that, I'm like, I'm not trusting you tonight. So I've got two games hockey-wise, one that I really like, not love, one that I'm a little nervous about. First one that I'm nervous about. I'm going to take Washington on the money line against Dallas. The Dallas Stars, they just had a game at Florida last night. Now they're coming up to D.C. Florida, the Panthers, they play a little bit north of Miami. So even though it seems like Florida to the middle Atlantic isn't that long, it's a long state. So you've got a tough flight. You're going into Washington. Now, if you flew into Reagan, it's not that bad. But... I'm looking at that saying Washington's rested, Dallas isn't. I'm going to take Washington on the money line in that one. And then Nashville, I've got them on the money line against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay last night had a home game against Pittsburgh. Not as tough to get from Tampa, but still not easy. Flying overnight, Tampa to Nashville. I I like the two teams that are going to be not dealing with the travel issues, but I want them both on the money line. One of them's favored, the other one isn't. I can't remember who. I believe it's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's Washington that's favored, Nashville that's not, but the juice is so bad that I'm going money line on both. So I'll take Washington over Dallas, Nashville over Tampa Bay, both on the money line. Let's keep this train going. Okay. Uh, I don't know how this is happening. I'm still going to go home immediately today, but I'm 
I'm starting to pick it up. I'm starting to feel better. So I might even golf tomorrow. Maybe I've changed my mind on that. Definitely doing the Unplugged Army second annual holiday event Saturday live at Bell's Nashville Kitchen. We're going to be there. I'm going to be there from 4 o'clock until 10 o'clock. And then after 10 o'clock, it's whenever Jennifer says you've had enough. Please understand I'm going to be going beer water, beer water, beer water the whole time I'm at Bell's Nashville Kitchen. If you've already got plans for Saturday late evening, come by around 4 o'clock at an appetizer, get a beer, say hi. If you already have plans in the middle of the afternoon, come over when your plans are done on Saturday, this Saturday. Or if you have no plans, get there. Spend some time. If you don't, if you don't have, you know, if you don't want to spend the money right now, just stop by, get a beer, get a drink, talk to us for a little bit, and hit it, or come have dinner with us. My family will be there eating dinner. I'd love to see you and celebrate Christmas because I. One of the other reasons why I do it is we were told to stop having parties at the old show, and I was forever bitter because we used to put about. I don't know, 300 people in a restaurant that we were told to stop. I've always thought that was dumb. So this is my little way to say, see, we can all get together and have a good time. Thanks to 100 Mile Brewing Company. They're located in Tempe at Rural Scottsdale Road at the 202. They're your official sponsor for Beer Friday. That's coming up tomorrow. Can't wait to tap that keg again. Parker & Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R is the phone number for Parker & Sons. If family is coming into town, you're going to sh- be shocked by this. Call Parker & Sons before they get here in the holiday season. So you can get yourself a actual tankless water heater that's going to keep your water hot the whole time and you're not paying the high electric bill to heat up water you're not using. Trust me. I didn't think it was a big deal until we got one from Parker and Sons, and now I swear by it. Rosati's is the official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged. It's located, but only the one located in Chandler at Ray and McQueen. And if you haven't had it, the breakfast burrito at Burrito Express will beat any breakfast burrito in the history of planet Earth. Yes, that's my recommendation. Seven locations on the east side. Angel and Mark, bring one to the west side, please. All right. I fought back. You're going to bring it today, too, at work. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.